we're talking about you can overcome the world. And we're going to continue in that tonight. You can overcome the world, part two. And uh, we're going to focus on the word and the importance of a word. Let's go ahead and turn to 1 John and chapter 5. First John chapter 5 and verse 1 says, Whoever believes that Jesus Christ is born of God and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of Him. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of Him. Now we know that when you accept Jesus as your Savior, confess Him as Lord, as Romans 10, which we'll be in in a little bit, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, if you confess Jesus as Lord and you believe that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved, all right? You will be saved. So now what you're going to see here is some confirmation. There's some symptoms of your being saved because there's symptoms that you're born of God and love Him says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, is the Messiah, is born of God, and whoever loves the Father, loves the child born of Him. Okay? So if you believe in Jesus, you're born of God. And if you love Jesus, and if you love the Father, you're going to love uh, the other one. You're going to love the Father, you're going to love the Son. You love the Son, you're going to love the Father. It's not a, well, I like one and not the other type deal. Right? But this is just defining, hey, do you have love for one of those? If you do, you should have it for both. And if you do, then you're born of God. All right. Now, love is defined. Uh, we've done another series about that. Uh, love is this, a choice and a commitment to unconditional giving at the leading of God. Okay. So it is a choice and a commitment to unconditional giving at the leading of God. So if we love the Father and we love the Son, what are we doing? We are choosing Jesus and His ways. We are choosing, we are committing to Jesus and His ways to give to Him unconditionally at the leading of God. Now the leading of God means uh, that just because, uh, you know, in 1 Corinthians 13, 3 it says, even though I give all, my, all I have to the poor, even though I give all my possessions to the poor, but have not love, it profits me nothing, right? So in other words, I can give everything I have away and still not be in love. So I'm unconditionally giving. I'm making a choice. I'm making a commitment. If I'm giving everything, I've made a commitment, but I can still be outside of love. Love, he's, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, right? He said it over and over and over again. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So love uh, by uh, action is a choice and a commitment to unconditional giving at the leading of God. So when we love God, it doesn't just mean that in our head we go, I sure do like him. He's a nice guy. That's not what that means. That's not love. You know, well, I just like, I just love them. That's not love. That's not love. That's a world's version of love, but it's not godly love. It's not agape love. And what we're talking about here is we're talking about true godly love. That means you put your money where your mouth is. That means you give even though somebody's talking junk about you. Right? 
That means you give to God and you keep serving Him even though you're under persecution and affliction. Woo-hoo-hoo! <laughs> Ain't that what you want to hear? Yeah, come on, affliction. Come on, persecution. And I'm still going to love. Doesn't that just motivate the socks off of you, right? But, see, that's exactly what it's talking about. How many people have gone through something and, and at some point, if you had a relationship with God, you kind of look up, you're like, how long I got to do this? Yeah. All right, I got everybody's attention. See, that's where you find out, do I love God or not? That's when you find it out right there. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. Verse 2, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. Man, somebody just said that. Who was that? Who was that? All right. Uh, Verse 3, for this is the love of God, he's going on to define it even more, that we keep his commandments, and this is an interesting thing we talked about last week, and his commandments are not burdensome. That means a symptom of moving up in the maturity of God is that you keep his commandments even when your body doesn't want to, and it's not even a burden to you. It's like, did, did something just happen, you know? Did, did something just, just, just happen? You ever been talking to somebody and, like, they're always mean to you and you want to say something really strong? And, and I'm, I'm that guy that, like, I think of every, you know, smart-witted thing to say, like, two days later. Oh, I should have said that, you know? But in the middle of it, when I'm trying to, trying to argue or something, I, I'll say something really stupid. And they're like, did you just say something? Well, see, that's the way love needs to be with us. The devil puts something on us and we're like, did, did you just say something? Did you just do something? See, when we keep his commandments, they're not burdensome. Now, if you're at, not at that place yet, that's okay. It's just this is where you're heading. This is where you're going, amen? This is where you're going. All right. For his commandments are not burdensome. Verse 4, for whatever is born of God. Are you born of God? For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. I'm telling you that you are not going to overcome outside of faith. But you can overcome the world you're an overcomer it's who you are amen you're an overcomer you're born of God you got the love of God in you you are an overcomer and you can overcome the world well what's the world anything that is not of God any piece of corruption any part of lack be it finances health uh, bondage anything that's trying to afflict and persecute, you can walk right through. It doesn't say that those things won't come. In matter of fact, Jesus said, hey, affliction, persecution, they will come. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. You know, it's not like he necessarily wanted to prophesy that, but he was telling us the truth. This is going to happen. If I did everything right and I couldn't avoid persecution, you're not either, right? 
You're not, it's not going to happen. And if you think that you're going to avoid all affliction and persecution, you are just fooling yourself and you're going to be very disappointed. However, he does say that everything with him, take my yoke upon me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what that means is in the middle of being persecuted, in the middle of having affliction, in the middle of that, I don't have to feel the weight of it. Keeping his commands is not burdensome. Amen? You see, there's, a, there's another witness of that right there. Two witnesses in the word. God's saying, look, it doesn't have to be heavy on you. So if you ever get in a situation and it is heavy on you, then one of the things you can recognize is something in me is off. If it's heavy on you, anybody ever had anything heavy on you, right? Like anybody had anything heavy in the last couple hours? Yeah, okay. All right, that's pretty much it. Right. I was going to say this week, but I'm like, that's too broad. I mean, let's, let's, let's narrow it down, you know. All right, so heavy stuff will try to come. But if it ever starts to get heavy on you, that is a symptom that, that you've got something inside that's messed up. Because Jesus said, well, if you take my yoke, a lot of people are not taking the yoke of Christ on. They don't even understand what it means. But there's, let me just put it to you like this. You might not be there yet, but it's out there for you to get to. Amen? Isn't that a good, isn't that a good word? It's out there for you to get to that place where his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And he has determined that that's where we should walk. Not only that, he said, but thanks be unto God who always leads us in triumph. So in other words, there is nothing you will face that God does not want you to triumph in and be victorious over. Nothing that he does not want you to overcome. But you're going to get there one way, even our faith. Our faith is the key and the tool that will cause us to be overcomers. That's what will cause us to be that. Amen? So let's go uh, right now and let's look at Joshua chapter 1. Just throw a few scriptures at you here. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. Uh, we'll start at verse 7. Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. I did that just for Chris on the, on the <laughs> scriptures back there. Not on purpose, though. We're good. It wasn't burdensome. Amen. <laughs> Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. And do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. Now, this is a biblical principle. This was not just for Joshua. This is a biblical principle that says, and you will find this throughout the full counsel of the, of the word, that if you'll do these things, it works for you too. That if you will not turn away from the word of God, from the law of God, if you won't turn to the left or to the right, you will find success 
wherever you go. That, I mean, wherever is pretty all-encompassing, isn't it? It's pretty absolute. So we sh should we, or let me ask you this. Let, let's, let's get uh, in participation here. Uh, should we or should we not be expecting, expecting success in our wherevers? Is that right? So if we ever find ourselves not expecting success, then we know we're off from what the Word's saying. Or you hear somebody preaching, well, you know, sometimes you're not going to have success over here, over there, whatever. That's, that's ungodly. Would you agree? That's, that's not according to the Word. It just said it over in 1 John. Now it's saying it here. There's a bunch of other places where it's showing it. 2 Corinthians 2.14 that I mentioned earlier. It's, it's wherever. It's all the time. This is the plan of God. Now I'm not going to say that you or I always walk in the plan of God. But the will of God and the empower, empowerment of God to do so is wherever and all the time. It's easy and light. It's overcoming. But there are conditions to that. Faith, another condition is not turning to the left or to the right of the word, but putting this word in us. Verse 8, this book of the law, in other words, the word of God, shall not depart from your mouth. All right, so when it says... The book of the law, talking about the word, shall not depart from your mouth. What does that mean? That means it should be in our mouth. Does that mean we're thinking on it or does that mean we're speaking it? It didn't say only it should not depart from your mind or from your thoughts. I think the Lord meant what he said when he said, shall not depart from your mouth. In other words, when you're in the middle of that situation, you're feeling the pressure, you're feeling the heat, you're feeling the affliction, you're feeling the persecution. According to the word that we're not supposed to depart from, that we're supposed to meditate on, according to the word of God, it says, put that victory, put that word in your mouth. That means we've got to speak it. It's not, a, it's not enough just to sit on it and know it, it takes some action on our part. And in this uh, case, the action is to speak that word. Okay? And then he says this, But you shall meditate on it, the word, day and night. Day and night. So at what point should you not be considering the word? Never. Never. Anybody, uh, anybody fulfill that today? I was just checking. I was like, you come preach, please, if you did. <laughs> but see, this is something that we're getting better and better at. I can tell you when Nicole and I first started this, uh, never, you know, never leaving us look more like all the time, most of the time. 95% of the time it left our minds and it was not in our mouth. And we had to form proactively form the habit of thinking on the Word, meditating on the Word. Uh, this morning, Steve and I had breakfast, and we were talking about some stuff, and the Word started stirring in me, and for the next hour and a half, man, I just, I was stirred up about the Word, and it was just flowing, and if you're on the uh, message thread, which you can be, anybody can be, but the encouragement thread, you, you 
kind of noticed because they kept coming. And, uh, but I was, I was meditating on the word. And this time the Lord said, send it out. You know, send it out so people can get it. I was meditating on it, meditating on it. Well, we're supposed to be doing that all throughout the day. You know, later on, uh, Chris and I were talking about some stuff, and, and I was meditating on it. I was meditating on it all throughout the day. I was thinking on the Word. I'm letting it, I'm letting it turn over in me. This, this is very important. This is really the, our key scripture tonight, meditating on the Word, so that you may be careful uh, to do according to all that is written in it, in other words, so that you'll get all the goody out of the Word, out of the Bible. You'll get all the good stuff out of it. Have you ever noticed that you've read a scripture and it meant something to you? And then you read it for like five more years and it meant a lot more than just what you thought at the beginning? Because God's not limited. God is the depths of God. Oh, there's a scripture that says, oh, the depths. Oh, the depths of God. Oh, the depths. It goes on. I think it says, oh, the depth and the width and the height of God. Anybody remember it right off? Yeah. Oh, the depths. And it's just pondering about how deep God goes. And it's worthy of pondering because I don't think we are ever going to scratch that surface while we're on this earth in a corrupted, unglorified body. Oh, the depths. There's a lot to them. So as long as we're on this earth, we've got plenty to meditate on in the Word. And even when you think, oh, well, why is he like, oh, okay, so 2 Corinthians 2.14, you know, y'all never heard me use that verse. <laughs> ever. I mean, ever. But here's the thing. I got revelation on it. You know why I got revelation on it? Because I meditated on it. But here's the thing. How many times have y'all now heard that verse? Lots probably hundreds in the past couple of years, hundreds of times I've, I, I talk about that verse almost every message. It's so strong, it's so powerful. Well, when do you need me to stop talking about it? Never. You know why? Because I'm still meditating on it. Now, I've used it in messages probably hundreds of times, and yet I'm still stopping to meditate on the verse. I saw something else in it just the other day. After hundreds of times of using it. And so, our now listen, there's a difference between our flesh and our spirit. All right? We have a flesh man. We have a, a, a part of us in our makeup is spirit, soul, which is the mind, will, and emotions, and then the body, the flesh, right? So, here's the thing. Um, in those three parts, they operate differently. Where your uh, flesh, our flesh always gets bored and is ready to move on. And our job as spirit beings, that's the real you as spirit beings. The scripture points that out tonight. That's not the teaching or I'd go there. But it's the real you is a spirit man who has a will, who has a soul, a mind, will, and emotions, and lives in a body. But the flesh man is meant to be put under by the spirit man. So what this flesh man and its ways, its corrupted ways and thinking, is you'll hear that verse, uh, you know, 2 Corinthians 2.14, but thanks be unto God, and y'all go, oh my gosh, here comes that verse again. That's not the real you. That's your flesh man. And that's your flesh man trying to be a bully and override 
what the will of God and the Spirit of God wants you to hear. And see, at some point, you've got to stand up and say this. Mm, flesh man, no, no, no. You're not, you're not, uh, <laughs> that don't go around here, law dog. That, uh-uh, that is not going to work anymore. No. You got flesh man, you're getting put down. And see, sometimes it's good for you just to tell, the, just to put the flesh man in its place because you can't. You know, it's like, oh, you just want to even, like, have you ever, uh, as you're raising kids and, if you don't have kids, you'll you'll figure this out. You know, you'll tell your child something, they'll be like, okay. Like, mm-mm-mm-mm. Come, 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 come. No, no. You're not giving me an okay and an attitude. You're going to do this and like it. Amen? Don't pay attention to this on Sunday when we get back to the... <laughs> but you know what you're wanting to say? Mm-mm, no, no. But why are you, why does that get under your skin? Because they're saying okay, but they're, they're letting it known that they don't like it, right? Well, that's the flesh. And sometimes when you, sometimes the flesh is not just outright. Sometimes it's just got an attitude. And you need to put that flesh in its place. Mm-mm. Oh, so you didn't like giving this week. Oh, okay, flesh, here we go. We're just going to give it all this. How about that, flesh? You know, and you give it all. You got to do that with the flesh because otherwise it's a bully. It tries to take advantage anywhere it can. It's like, it's like a child. You ever have a child that pushes the limits? That's the flesh. That's the flesh. Man, your baby's like three months old. What you shaking your head for? <laughs> It does. <laughs> All right, the teacher. Okay, I was like, but you know what? They do. They, Abigail was three when she started testing our limits. Now she didn't know fully what she was doing, but she was already testing those limits. Three months, you know. So that was a funny moment. Sorry, picking on. You. So <laughs> anyway, it's. But they will stretch. They will find the lines. They will find the lines. Well, your flesh will do that too. Oh, so you'll let me push a little attitude on you Mr. Spirit Man and the flesh will push that well as soon as you recognize that you got to say "Mm -mm, not happening here no 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 not happening and so when you start you know and so the flesh will do that there he goes talking about that 2nd Corinthians 214 verse like we ain't ever heard it before you know and and you need to tell your flesh matter of fact flesh just for having an attitude I'm gonna shout amen the loudest because he said it again amen and and you know put it down sometimes in worship you know I can remember um, uh, just in worship a lot of times breaking free and breaking loose in worship it really what you're uncomfortable with especially you ever Okay, I'm going to tell on myself. That will be the best way to do this. I remember going into the church the first time where, like, they were free in their worship. And I was walking in, and I'm like, look at all these unholy people. Don't they know to stand up straight and reverence God? And I was just bit, boy. Well, after I got into the word a little bit, you know, give me a little mercy. Then all of a sudden I got to the place where I realized, they were the holy ones, I was being unholy because I was, I was letting my flesh tell my spirit what to do. David, who was a man after God's own heart, 
took off down the streets, stripping clothes off, praising God. And that was a man after the heart of God, praising God through the streets of Jerusalem. And his wife was up in the tower, basically looking out the window, going, look how the king embarrassed himself today. And it seems that God liked one and didn't like the other one. And it wasn't David that God didn't like. He loved the fact that David openly put his flesh down, put his pride and his reputation down so that he could give all the glory to God and worship him dancing through the streets, right? So a lot of times what we need to do is put our flesh down. And we need to, we need, all right, flesh, you just got a little bit of attitude. Matter of fact, I'm going to stand up and amen next time he says 2 Corinthians 2.14. Amen? So, see, that you just, you got to learn how to do that. Oh, you don't want me to read my Bible right now? You want to give me all these other thoughts of stuff I got to do? Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, Mr. Flesh. I'm going to walk right in here right now. I got 15 minutes. I'm, I don't even have the time. I'm going to make it. Take that, Mr. Flesh. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to go pray. I might even, you keep pressing me, I'll pray for 15 after that. You, you need to put the flesh in the place. Well, this is the same thing here in verse, this is funny, I'm making myself laugh so much more than I'm showing y'all. All right. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Meditate on it. How are you going to do all that's in it if you don't force your flesh to get out of the way and let the spirit man meditate on the word? How are you going to know what is God and what isn't if you don't meditate on it? We already talked about that verses are practically unsearchable, but we do have the mind of Christ and the wisdom that he will reveal to somebody that meditates on his word. And I'm telling you that, listen, this is what I found out. This was shocking to me. As I continued to grow and I got in this word and I continued meditating on it, and I remember Brother Hagin, he used to pray the Ephesians prayers and uh, basically says that his eyes of understanding would be enlightened and that he would know the fullness of the inheritance of, of Jesus in the saints. And that's, you know, a paraphrase. And um, anyway, he said, I started praying those prayers. He said, it wasn't just a couple of months. I was praying those prayers every day. He said, I went into my wife and I said, I have had so much revelation in the last two months. I don't know what I was preaching before. And I found that as I meditated on the scriptures, it shocked me at how much we as a society and even people that grew up in the church, we do not know this word. And, and I started to understand that scripture better when Jesus said, you do err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. And I went, I understand that better now because I recognize now that I don't know a whole lot more than what I know. And I was starting to catch up and realize there's a bunch we don't know and we're getting our tails whipped because the devil knows the word better than us and he's using it and twisting it, giving us just enough truth uh, but mixed with a little bit of a lie, which makes it all a lie. And all of a sudden, he's just using it. We're not even aware of who he is and we're just getting beat up all the time. And I found out I need to know God 
And the more I meditated, the more I started to know God. And the more I started to know. And I'm going to tell you what, this is after years now of going after and seeking Him. I still need to know God. I still don't know Him like I want to. I know that there's more depths into Him. And I just want to get in there and find out more and have an intimacy with God that just blows this world and all its corrupted ways apart. And He wants it for all of us. That's what He wants. But we got to meditate on the word. We got to meditate on it. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do all that is written written in it for then you will make your way prosperous. For then God will make your way prosperous. You will make your own way prosperous. When when we meditate on it, when we put it in our mouth, when we find out what the will of God is and we start doing those things. We've got to spend time here. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you... Now listen, is this a, is this a commandment? Yeah. It's telling us, do these things and then you will have success. He's telling you how to do these things. But let me tell you something else. Most commands you can also see are just as much command. They're also promise. So in other words, you do this, you will have success. You will. This is not questionable. This is an absolute out of the mouth of God by the Holy Spirit. You do this, you can't stop it. You will have success. Well, you start seeing stuff like that, all of a sudden, you know that I did what I was supposed to do. You know that you meditated on the Word, you put it in your mouth, and then you actually did according to all that was written. It. And what are you expecting now? Success. I'm expecting that my way has been made prosperous. I'm expecting success. Well, you change that expectation in you. Now, we just got through with the series and it's still our, our theme. There's hope. Expectation is hope. Well, now you've given faith something to manifest. Now you've given the tool that overcomes the world, our faith, hope to support. In other words, now the victory, the tool that overcomes the world, faith, trust, belief in God, you've given that something to support, hope, expectation. So all of a sudden these things are starting to work for you. But it just comes by knowing the word and being in it, staying in it, meditating on it, and then doing it. That's what it comes by. And it's been God's plan all along in how many places? Everywhere, wherever, how many times, all the time, how many situations, every situation, all of them, victory, it's the victory of God, this is what overcomes the world, this is what overcomes that persecution, overcomes that affliction, it's what overcomes the wind and the waves in your life, it's the word of God. Now, um, here's the other thing. Let's go to uh, Revelation. 
chapter 12 and verse 11. And he's talking about the devil in general. And verse 11 says, And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. Now we've talked about this before. Most of the people, most of the time when people quote this, they say, and they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And everybody shouts, Amen. And they leave off the third part, which I think is just as important. You got, to me, three parts of a stool right here that shows you the pieces they put into place to support their overcoming. First of all was the blood of the Lamb. That was the price paid. That was the price paid. Amen? That was the price paid. Jesus paid the price. He paid the price. Is that price paid for your victory? Is that price paid for your overcoming? You can overcome the world. And has Jesus paid the price? Yes. Has he empowered it? Absolutely. They overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. The word of of their testimony. It, the word says that um, the word of Christ, uh, I believe it says it like this, is the spirit of prophecy. Christ is, uh, look, somebody look up that verse, it's the spirit of prophecy. See, notice back in Joshua it says, don't let it out of your mouth. Keep this word in your mouth. You've got to speak it. 19.10. Revelation 19.10. At the end of that, it says, For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now see, here's what that, let me explain that to you just real briefly and not really fully teaching it, but let me just explain that. When we put the word, when we match our word up with the word of Jesus, when we match our testimony with the testimony of Christ, then the spirit of prophecy is in effect working through us. All right? And you don't have to be a prophet to have the spirit of prophecy working through you. How would you like to prophesy the good things of God and prophesy uh, the victory, the overcoming, the success that God has for us in every place, all the time, wherever? Well, in order to do that, you need to put in your mouth a testimony that is the same testimony that is Jesus. And when you do that, he says it like this. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And what's that talking about? You remember in, um, I think it's 2 Corinthians uh, 10, 5, where it says, Take every thought captive and bring it into the obedience of Christ. Right? Well, what it says, what it's saying there is every thought that is coming up against the testimony of Christ, you need to take that thought captive, 
cast it down, casting down vain imaginations. You cast that down and you start thinking on, speaking on whatever Christ has said. So now what would Christ say in your situation? He would say things like this. You have overcome the, you are born of me. You have overcome the world. And wherever you go, you will make your way successful. Uh, thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of him in every place. That's um, 2 Corinthians 2.14. And, uh, and then there, in Matthew it says that when you put on the burden uh, or the yoke of Christ, his burden is easy and his yoke is light. This thing's easy, this thing's light, and your flesh says, no, it's not, it's heavy, it stinks. And you tell your flesh, shut up, we've already won this, we've already overcome him. By the... And we start putting on, and if it's a sickness, you start saying, by his stripes I'm healed. On that cross he bore my sins and my sicknesses. Just as much as my sins are wiped away, so are my sicknesses. Because on the cross he bore them both. I shouldn't expect different results when he bore them both. By the stripes, we weren't going to be healed. We were healed. Second, for, uh, 1 Peter 2.24, it says that it, those that believe will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. What am I saying? I'm saying the things that Christ says and said all throughout this word. You know, in, in Exodus, I am the Lord that healeth thee, Right? And so that's just talking about healing. Then you talk about, okay, what am I doing? I'm putting the testimony of what Christ, who Christ is, what he's done, and what he's doing now, loving on us with the fullness of his victory. I'm putting his testimony in my mouth, and when I speak the word of Christ, the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy is in me, working in me, empowering me, and empowering my life to change. So now you go back to that verse that says, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. It's paid for. So... Jesus had a testimony and he backed it up with his blood. And then you decide that I receive that blood and I take on, I receive what he paid. And I take on the testimony, the same testimony that he paid for and he backed up with his life to make it have an exclamation point that I'm healed, I'm delivered, I'm prosperous. I, he has made me very prosperous and adds no sorrow to it. You start putting in your mouth and in your heart and in your mind the testimony of Christ, the spirit of prophecy starts working in you and now all of a sudden you have empowered God to move into your life and start bringing about that prophetic word in your mouth. But see, if we don't do these things, we're, what we're doing is we have the keys, but we're keeping them in our pocket. Because Psalms, I think it's 115, verse 18, says that the earth he's given to the sons of men. That has not changed. And so you still have the authority. Who is the hands and the feet of Christ? Who's the body? Right. Where is the action going to come from in the earth? Us guys, right? Amen? I really want an amen for us, us guys. That, yeah, amen. Us guys. It, it's going to be us. It's going to be us. 
We're the ones that got to say that. And then the last part of the 12 verse 11 says this, and they love not their life unto the death. I mean, that just don't even sound pretty to the flesh, does it? It's like, oh, we don't, yeah, what in the world is that? But see, here's the thing. That's probably the strongest part of it. For on, our, on what we have to do, that's probably the strongest piece of it. Because that means that we don't just wait. Let's go to uh, Revelation 12, 11. That means we don't just say it one time. And then just believe, well, it's magically going to appear whenever God wants it to. No, no, no. Now this means that we put down every piece of the flesh. We will hold on to the testimony of Christ and the words of his promise. And we will not let them go. He didn't, let his, he didn't hold on to his life. And I'm not now going to hold on to mine and see different results. That's a strong statement. He didn't let he didn't, you know, hold on to his life. I'm not now going to hold on to mine and see different results and see power as I hold on to the flesh. As I hold on to my life. In other words, I'm going to take all of my flesh's desires and even the pressures to back off of the testimony. This is probably where we see it the most. The devil, all he knows is if I will constantly put pressure, eventually the majority of people who don't know this word, what they will do is they will back off. And he says, as soon as they back off, they love their life more than the testimony of Christ and the blood he paid. They love their comfort. They love their uh, schedule. They love their routine. As soon as they love, uh, they, they love their being holy in worship and not letting, not letting their spirit break out. It's the same stuff. Same stuff. All of a sudden, they, they, they love their, well, I don't have to say amen. I'm saying amen on the inside. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> See, all of a sudden, what happens is they love their flesh more. And what happens is the devil knows if he can get them to back off of that, he's taken away the third part of the support for them to be an overcomer. But you can overcome. Amen. You can overcome. You have overcome the world through Christ already. You can overcome right now. And it's simply by this putting on faith in what Jesus has done, putting his testimony in our mouth, meditating on him day and night, putting his word in our mouth, uh, following his word and making sure that we don't turn to the left or to the right and make our way successful because we're willing to put our flesh down and not let go. We're willing to uh, hold on to the things of God even more than our flesh, even more than our life. We will take, it, we will take belief in God to the death if necessary that's what rose Jesus from the dead he took his belief in the father as a loving father into death that he would save them and that faith overcame death hell and the grave and that same resurrection power 
if you do know Ephesians 1, that same resurrection power is a part of your inheritance. And it resides in you right now, and you have overcome the world too as soon as you believe. It's who you are. It's who we are. Praise God, it's who we are. Amen? Amen. Amen. 